continuing our conversation with John and Rachel of Yajaga of Pittsburgh fame. So I'm sure you've heard the term 20 year overnight success. And uh, Edison said that genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. So uh, people out there listening say, wow, I'm going to start a podcast. Uh, so tell a little bit about your journey into that and tell uh, our audience about some times where you almost quit. Well, I mean, almost quit was before we even started because they said, you know, when this gentleman, Jason Falls, a social media expert guru, said, you need to start a podcast. I was like, I don't really have any more. I have a job and then I have to do this stuff. But this stuff is my passion. So, but um, I, I don't know that there were times prior to Rachel, to be honest with you, because the team wasn't clicking that, you know, it was it would have been easy to quit. And we, and so that, that really was probably a good time that I would have thought about quitting, but we were able to change the team out and people kind of through attrition moved along and so this isn't my bag and all that. So it was about the passion because there was no money in it back in then. And there's not like a lot of money now, but our company certainly is, is doing all right. But the, the passion kept to keep pushing through. Then you combine with someone who, who does have the same passion or even more passion, re-energized passion. And that's kind of where we are today. But, you know, yeah, quitting. But again, if someone was starting a podcast or blog, as everybody else says, you have to start with a passion for what you're doing. You can't say, I'm about to start a podcast and make a million dollars from it. That's the wrong approach. It has to start with a passion about something. And then your passion will come through, in my opinion. What do you say? Yeah, I think the frustration for a while was, Every time we were on video, people would say, oh, I caught your podcast. And to me, a lot of effort goes into the planning stages. It's not just show up, stick a recorder in front of us, and let's just chat about whatever. Um, I think it's important journalistically or storytelling-wise to be able to speak off the cuff. But I think that there's something to be said for preparation and, and delivering good content for a show. So the Japanese have a concept called ikigai. Iki meaning life, gai meaning purpose. And it's a Venn diagram. And the outer concentric circles are things I'm good at, things I can get paid for, things people want, and things I'm passionate about. So it sounds like you melded that all together. Okay. We'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's just, you know, perseverance, you have to always worry. You have to have that fear that it could end tomorrow so that that, that drive never ends, right? I mean, when COVID hit, um, initially, we kind of looked at each other and said, we're about to lose some clients and we're going to have to figure this out. And um, we lost one. Well, yeah, one. And we kind of were like, okay, each week, me, you know, what's going to happen after that? And how do we do the podcast and stay on top? Um, if we're not on site, it, you know, how are we going to get good interviews? And we were so fortunate because we, you have, you know, like everybody, you had to reinvent, hate the word, hate the pivot, all that good stuff. But ultimately, how are you as good as your last hit? And if you give up, forget it. Because our whole thing was, if we take off one week, 
somebody could come in. You know, we talk all the time. Greenfield Supplyness podcast is a great podcast. People are really starting to like them. They're pop culture. Um, they're literally right there and they're great people and they're friends of ours. There's a lot of good podcasts out there. But what makes us unique, what makes us different is the drive and the continual perseverance. And so we were so fortunate because we kept at it. And that drive, that fear of what could be made us create, you know, get more clients and figure out how we could get guests that we wouldn't have had in person. So we started tapping into expat, you know, people who lived in Pittsburgh before and moved to LA and where else? Um, Philly, Chicago, all these different places so that we could talk about people who knew Pittsburgh, lived in Pittsburgh, could still tell the story, but it was a little bit different. But you're you're a hundred percent right as far as I mean, it sounds pompous to admit this. We're not usually good this good at talking about ourselves, but you're making me think here. But we really are, we really have lined all of those up. Um, you know, I tease all the time that I live about 10 minutes from Rachel and Willie here. And I drive to work past a long line of cars of people that are going into the city to work. And they all look like so miserable. And, 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 I'm, and I think, well, I probably could be one of those. And there, listen, there are some days I'm miserable too. But the fact is when... They're my days off. You know, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're when Rachel calls off, right. But... Um, the, you know, but I sit here and think like, you know, it's an enjoyable day knowing it's stressful. But on the other hand, we have lined up all of those things. And now how do we make it so that it's sustainable? Well, the frustrating part is when people say, oh, you're so lucky you have such an easy job, you know, or such a fun job. And it is fun, but it's far from easy. And again, I think it comes back to putting in the time, putting in the, the content, deciding what do we, you know, gauging what what people seem to like um and really giving it all and we've been fortunate and so i know not everybody listening to your podcast is from pittsburgh we've been fortunate that in pittsburgh we've had some recognition and uh you know rachel's a former uh, newspaper reporter okay and so uh people in her field I, i'm a hack i mean i never did this before other than doing this but fact is i was always just a marketing person but the fact is, is that, you know, we ended up getting nominated as fine or were finalists twice for Golden Quill Awards. And this is the first time I've ever even really heard about them. But in the meantime, in her world, that's kind of like a nice gold standard. And uh, so so it's kind of cool to think that we really have merged all of the worlds into one. And again, now it's just a matter of how do we stay ahead and it's cool to get the, the recognition within the Pittsburgh market and within the Pittsburgh expats. You know, we're very fortunate that people send us cards and say, I'm in Oklahoma and I love what you, when you tell me what's happening in Pittsburgh, I can't wait to come back and those kind of things. And again, we love telling the story about Pittsburgh because, it, you know, the uh, it, it's just, it's actually cool to live here. Well, ships that leave the harbor, stay in the harbor, stay safe but they never get anywhere. Right. Stoics say that nothing, no growth occurs in the comfort zone. It occurs in the discomfort zone. We're there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like the way that you ask and ask because uh, if you never ask, the answer is always no, John. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not sure what you mean. If you never ask, if you say, well, gee, I wonder if so-and-so would be interviewed, but you never ask them. 
the answer is the answer is no. Right, right. Yeah, and we we literally have done that. You know, from the mayor of Pittsburgh to some state senators or or uh, federal representatives. I mean, the funny thing is, is that uh, they when we show up at their PR events, they what do they say? They go, "Hey, it's the Jaguars." Yeah, <laughs> Connor Lamb. He's like, "Oh, the Yinzers." Wait. <laughs> well, let me ask you this: Who would you like to? Who would be on your list to be interviewed again? I would say Cyril Wecht. He's always a good, good interview. We've had him three, two or three times, and um, just a brain beyond brains. You know, somebody that is just so amazing to talk to and and just get a feel for. Arthur Motes is truly one of our favorites ah. to talk to. Um, he's one of the most stand-up, genuine people. And quite honestly, um, when the social unrest was happening, um, he was he was someone of color who was able to explain to two white people in the most rational, gentle, understanding way what we could do to educate and help. And it was the most comfortable conversation because it was him. Yeah. Who would be a dream interview for you, Rachel? Um, besides Mike Sorg. Yeah. Did we have Mike Sorg before? Can it be dead or alive? <laughs> sure. I hate the dead or alive Come question. On. Mm -mm. Dead or alive. If they're dead, I can't, I've missed my opportunity. I'm a realist. You know that. I'm too literal. Um, Pittsburgh related. Well, um, whatever's on your mind. Your desire. This is you. you know, we've been so, oh, I've said before, I'd love to interview Sidney Crosby. Um, my boys are super into hockey and as a mom of three, I, we need better role models, athlete role models. And he is the epitome, you know, just a good person. Um, I did interview Lemieux early on ah. when I worked at the Swickley Herald, like minutes, he was at a barber shop. <laughs> um, I mean, but that's how cool of a guy he was, you know, and I didn't realize at the time how lucky I was to have had that time. Um, so I, I probably would have said him, except that I sort of interviewed him, but I would say, I would say Sidney Crosby. I just, and, and he's a tough one to get, you know, he doesn't really want to talk to anyone. So I think it would be the challenge of it. And I've said that before, like talking to him, but I'm trying to think of like the strong woman, like who would, who would it be? Did you have a better one? No, I, I, well, I'll go, I can finally have my answer. So one of my favorite interviews for sure it was Rachel's Aunt Marie hmm. because the Pittsburgh uh, Heinz History Center was celebrating the Roaring Twenties. And she literally just turned 100 this year. Oh, well, she'll boy. be 101 in September. Yeah. And so she lived the Roaring Twenties. So we took her to, the, we recorded our podcast at the exhibit of Roaring Twenties. And she literally showed us at 98 or whatever it was years old, her how to do the Charleston. But to sit and listen to her talk about what life was like back then was incredible. So I think I really cherish that moment. But that's cool. And, I don't think you know, a, a wannabe interview would it would be any sitting president. And I know, you know, a president is, you know, 50 percent loved or yeah, hated. Right. Loved or hated. You know, sure. people would say, I can't believe you wasted your time talking to him. Other people say, oh, my God. But the fact <laughs> is, I would have the respect for any sitting I agree. Uh, or former president, to be That's honest with you. I mean, the Bushes, any of the Bushes, I'd be thrilled. It would be, would be just interesting to sit and talk to if we thought we could talk to them, as we do. We're normally pretty good at drawing things out of people for them to be natural. So I would love a, just a really natural interview with any sitting or previous president. 
Well, we've reached out to the Pope a number of times. However, that, that the <laughs> offer is still outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> this Pope would be a good one. Yeah, he's he's definitely different. We're not going to close the door on anyone. Right. <laughs> so people out there are listening and say, wow, you guys are successful. And they, unfortunately, people think they can just pop into the moment and be successful. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure that now that you went through all the trials and travails, uh, how would you how would you tell somebody to actually start out some of the nuts and bolts? You know, there's always the debate over a business plan, not a business plan. And we admittedly say we've never had the time to put a business plan together, but the business plan is always there, if that sort of makes sense. Um, I think that there's this sense of back to we're very similar, right? We both have very good work ethic. Um, sometimes it's a good thing and a bad thing because, you know, we work, as John said, from my house. It's important to me because I'm a mom and I want to see my kids coming home from school and getting them to sports and whatnot. Um, but sometimes we don't know when our day ends and when it's time to call it a day. And that can be a bad thing, but it also shows the perseverance because in our opinion, at some point, we're going to be able to say, okay, call it a day. And, and, and people on our team can kind of help out with that. And we're getting there. Um, but it's honestly, it's accepting time, which I don't do well. John's really good about like, Rach, give it a minute. You know, someone might not have responded right away and that's okay because it was literally just the other day. Um, time heals, time helps, you know, all that kind of stuff. So patience, um, and really listening. I hate when people say that because it sounds so cliche, but, you know, listening to someone instead of waiting your turn to talk and just really hearing what it is that they're honing in on, because maybe you have a whole other perspective that you can offer. Um, but also, I think it's the thrill of the hunt. We love this. You know, I just said to my, my friends and, you know, of course, I have an Italian mother and she'll say, you work too much. But when your work is your hobby, it's not so bad. And that's sort of where we are. Yeah. I mean, the advice is, you know, look, it'd be, if I was super smart, we would sit here and invent some piece of software and then we'd sell it for a million dollars. Right. And then I'd be bored, but I would be happy financially, but I'd be bored. But I think it's the matter of uh, the way we've gone about our business. As Rachel said, you know, there's that discussion of business plan or no business plan. The business plan is in our heads and it's to scale up and bring on good team members, but also, and don't scale too fast, but in the meantime, scale appropriately. And eventually the money will come. Certainly would we love if someone walked in and gave us a million dollars for our work? Great. But it, that's probably, you know, those are few and far between. So we're fine with the gradual growth, expect gradual growth and be reasonable. Yeah. Also, you know, God, who tells you, I mean, it's, it's a cliche to say, don't get too high with the highs and don't get too low with the lows. And so when, it, when there's a low point, and we're fairly good that way in that one's usually low and the other one's not and the other one picks the other one up or one's too high and the other one helps deflate the balloon a little bit to just bring a little bit more reasonability to it. So Rachel, I like what you had to say as, as a therapist, I teach people how to communicate and 80% of communication is listening and listening is a real art. Nobody in the history of dust has ever learned anything by talking. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's the rule of, as, as I said, we were talking with Harry Funk this weekend about, you know, journalism and how the face of journalism has changed. And, you know, journalism 101 is you're the watchdog, right? But number two is be a good listener because you're not going to have that breaking story, you know, if you're not listening, if you're not really paying attention. And it, it carries on through life because, we're all victim of it. We're, we're ready to have, you know, instant gratification and we're ready to have that move to the next point. But if you really kind of slow things down and listen, I just think that it, it prepares you more for what's next. Well, sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, we go through this with actually my mother all the time in that, you know, my mother's already thinking about what she's mm. going to tell you about what she just asked you versus listening to what you say and responding to that. And we try to do the same thing. And, you know, that's part of the, you know, if we could get almost somewhat political, I guess, that's part of the issue we see now, right? Yeah. And people are good listeners, but they only listen to their side, their point of view. Like so few people are willing to sit down and listen to somebody else's point of view and either be, they're afraid to be educated or they just don't, they think it's a waste of time because the other person they don't know what they're talking about. Only I know what I'm talking about. Even if the person doesn't change your mind, isn't it worth it to sit and listen to what they're Absolutely, saying? Absolutely, yeah. Especially, I mean, we're not political by any means, but, you know, during the whole <laughs> political change in office, like that was one thing that we were like, we could have a conversation with either side and you wouldn't know where we stood because we truly enjoy hearing it. You might not change my mind on something, but I'd love to hear why you feel the way you feel. And maybe it's a whole new perspective. Well, one of the precepts of 12-step recovery is do the next right thing. That's, that's, that's where we look at and to make wise mind choices. And we deal with a lot with mindfulness on this podcast, and it's part of uh, my practice. My practice is namaste, holistic counseling. And I have a lot of tattoos. And on the inside of my arms, it says, I am right here. And the other hand says, it is right now. So mindfulness is, I don't think, not about going to Tibet and sitting on a pillow covered with saffron and red robes uh, going mm, all day, surrounded by 10,000 candles. It's paying attention on purpose. And it sounds like you two have uh, captured that. You all, we you hope, know, right? I like to coin another cliche from Clint Hurdle, who used to be the manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yes. He would say, be where your feet are, right? And, and it makes so much sense in that, you know, when we're listening to a, a guest, maybe that podcast guest isn't going what we the way we thought it was going to go. And we can't sit there and just say, well, we're going to go through our battery of questions because this is what we want to know. If that guest decides to take the conversation to a different place, as long as it's, you know, positive within what we want to talk about, then we will then we need to adjust to that. And we only get that way by actually active listening. And if you're good at your craft, you figure out how to better transition that conversation anyway so that it's yeah. not negative. You know? well, sure, you want to draw people out. And most people love to talk about their passions. Please tune in next week for our continuing conversation with John and Rachel of Yajagoff. And as always, at the end of every podcast, we offer a free prescription, fruits, nuts, and vegetables, Unplug your television and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait. Do a kindness for yourself and do a kindness for another. Forgive yourself and forgive another. Till all are free, none are free. Namaste, my friends. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com.
where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of fishing without bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.